0: You're listening to Inside the Minds Podcast with Dante Marsh and Ryan Hyde, where we talk about sports, life, and whatever the hell else we want to talk about. 31-yard
1: penalty to support-
0: Today's guest is the first UFC welterweight champion, the founder of Melitich Fighting Systems, and was inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame in 2014. Please welcome Pat Miletic. Thank
2: you, sir. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks sir, for taking the time to come on today, Pat. We really appreciate it.
3: No, thank you. And, and uh, it's a pleasure
2: to meet both of you guys, at least virtually. Yes, sir. Absolutely. All right, let's go. So Pat, what
3: got you into MMA in the first place? Uh, it's, I'll try not to make it a long story, but you know, I was uh, in college wrestling. Um, and you know, I grew up in Iowa, obviously. I wrestled since I was five years old and uh, ended up going to school and uh, wanted to get into advertising and marketing. I had kind of a, I had actually kind of an artistic mind. I, I loved art, things like that. So. I was creative and I could think up, you know, campaigns for companies at a pretty early age. And so that's kind of where I envisioned myself using that skill set. But my mother got sick with heart problems and she had to uh, retire from nursing and uh, she she was having a tough time taking care of herself, paying her bills and my older brothers, my three older brothers and my older sister uh, were all married, had families and stuff. So I I kind of just decided, you know, I'm going to just go home, and and I really wasn't sure if college was for me anyway. I wasn't, I I wasn't really digging it that much, although I loved competing. And so, I was working concrete, I was pouring concrete during the day, and then working at a couple of different nightclubs at night, trying to make ends meet. And one day, when I was pouring concrete, uh, one of my foremen said he he was from Kentucky, talked like a hillbilly a little bit. He he says. <laughs> He says, you wrestlers can't do nothing to a karate man. He goes, I got a black belt karate. He goes, we go out there in that field. We can find out. And this was, this was long before the UFC started. And I, I said, are you, are you being serious right now? Have you ever had a guy who was a decent wrestler from Iowa grab a hold of you ever? And he goes, you know, he wasn't convinced. So at lunchtime, we went out there and I threw him down a couple times. I didn't beat him up or anything, but he couldn't do anything, you know? And he goes. He goes, you just made years and years of of work in karate completely useless. Like, there's nothing I can do to stop that. So, but he did give me a free five-day pass to go there. And I had boxed when I was younger at Alvino Pena's, and I ended up going back there, but um, as a professional fighter, kickboxer and stuff before the UFC as well. But um, so I went there and I, I was doing these, you know, they had me doing katas, high blocks, low blocks, basic kicks. Kind of just really low speed stuff for what I was used to, obviously. And uh, and then on the Friday, I, I was thinking to myself, I'm I'm not going to come back. And I was somebody who would at least stick it out for the five free days, five free lessons. But I went in and it was a black belt sparring class and a bunch of kickboxers were in there. and And they were literally handing each other their asses. It was it was really some brutal stuff. They were blasting each other with kicks and punches and stuff. And so I go, okay, I, this, yeah, all right. This is what I came here for. This is, this is what I want to do. Yeah. So I signed up and uh, started training, fighting, kickboxing, all of that. And won a U.S. title in, in K one rules fighting, which is low kicks, no elbows. Um, and then the UFC came along. Right. And I, I, it dawned on me that they had actually invented my sport because of my, my wrestling background, my, my martial arts background by then and, and my boxing and everything else. So, um, and I had done some judo, of course, but you know, I really got heavy into Brazilian jiu-jitsu at that point, just to learn the fundamentals. And then later Sambo and catch wrestling, catches, catch can, which was more my style anyway, because of my my deep wrestling. But um, that's really how I got started was to pay bills for, for my mother, for the
0: most part. That's always good motivation.
2: What were some of those earlier MMA tournaments like that you were in? Uh, yeah, the, the first MMA
3: fights that I had were in the Battle of the Masters the first battle of the masters in the south side of chicago and it was crazy i mean it was um saint andrews gym in south side of chicago the, the place was packed i think it held probably 2000 there was 3000 in there they were sitting in the stairwells it was a massive fire hazard and and uh there was no time limits no rules no weight classes none of that there were a lot of big guys in the tournament and but it, it didn't take me long to beat all those guys. You know, uh, They weren't as proficient at wrestling as I was. I could take them down and, and beat them up pretty easy and choke them, whatever. Um, and then the second battle of the Masters, the only guy I was concerned with, to be honest, was Andre Dudko, who was a, a K-1 world kickboxing champion from Russia, Minsk Belarus, actually. And he was about 6'4", probably 245, big, big dude. And he, he mowed through his opponents fairly well in that. And then um, and then I met him in the championship. And I actually, I took him down really easy. I got lucky and got a, a Russian that wasn't a great wrestler, but could you know blast you in the head with punches and kicks. So <laughs> um, I won that tournament as well. Then the Quad City Ultimate, I believe, was won. And then I won the UFC uh, tournament uh, when they when they started the welterweight division, lightweight division, whatever they called it back then. Right. So it was you know, you just had to go out and get, get things done as fast as you could and that's kind of the way I thought because I wanted to be fresh going into the championship. And I watched fights on the other side of the bracket in that that first battle of the masters. He had a jujitsu guy and and he was a kickboxer as well going up against Marcel Loverich. It was um, gosh what was the other kid's name I forget but Marcel Loverich was a really tough dude from south side of Chicago and he headbutted the guy's last name was Johnson might have been Michael Johnson and he headbutted Michael Johnson 47 times. My manager counted and wow. my manager, he wasn't my manager at the time. He was covering it for a newspaper in my own town, uh, but he headbutted him 47 times and then got submitted. He got triangle choked and then Michael Johnson was in the showers. They had cold water running on him. His face was so swollen up and beat up. They were trying to keep him basically functional so that he could fight in the, in the next round. And then he just, I watched him slide down the wall into a heap as he was, he was done, right? Yeah. So that's the kind of fight that I didn't wanna be in. So I'd go out and go a million miles an hour and just wreck these guys as fast as I could, have a two minute fight and, and be fresh going into the next round type thing. So that, that definitely helped.
0: Nice. So with your west with your wrestling background, I'm pretty sure you are accustomed to, to, to cutting weight, right? So, yeah, it, it difficult to 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 do that for your fights, for your bouts,
3: in UFC? Yeah, I cut weight for every every fight that I was in when the weight divisions were created, right? Mm-hmm. So I cut weight, I cut weight from sixth grade into college for wrestling, and then I was cutting weight for kickboxing. Um, and then I was cutting weight for for MMA when I had to go into the weight division stuff. And so some of the weight cuts were really uh, the, the the latter ones could could get pretty rough. But I never missed weight from sixth grade till the time I was, you know, till Michael Nunn and I fought last summer, did our exhibition, we had to make weight. I've never missed weight in my life. I, I always felt that that was, you know, look, you do all, when you sign on the dotted line for a fight, you do all your interviews, you do everything you're supposed to do to promote it. Um, you make the weight you signed signed your nine, name on the line for and you show up and you fight, you know? And and um, so that's something that I always did. But I can tell you guys a funny story about a weight cut. I don't know if you guys have ever heard it. Uh, I was fighting Shoney Carter, who's a good friend of mine from uh, South Side of Chicago. And Shoney's got a million title belts. He's a hell of a fighter. We fought twice. And uh, he's the only guy that hit me. He hit me with the biggest throw in our first fight, a belly to belly suplex. I, And it was at a baseball park, a baseball stadium that was packed. I've never been launched like that in my life. Shoney was a, a freestyle or uh, Greco, Greco national champ. And uh, he was a Marine Corps. He wrestled for the Marine Corps as well. And I had double unders on him and had him in a body lock. and was getting ready to throw him. And he launched me. And I remember being in midair going, wow, you're a dumbass. <laughs> I can't believe I fell for that one, right? But yeah. um, so anyway, I'm fighting Shoney a second time. And I have a horrible weight cut. It's, it's an absolute train wreck. And, and the weigh-ins back then in New Jersey were on the same day as the fight. So wow. that made it even, that made it even worse. Right. Yeah. So um, I wake up in the morning and I go and I make weight and then I go back to my room and I'm, I'm cramping and I hadn't slept all night because I was, I was freaking out about uh, not making weight. And I had just signed to have a new house built. I had just opened a new business and just had a new baby. And if I didn't win that fight and not get the win bonus, I wouldn't have enough money. To actually put the money down on the new house that I just signed to have built. So I put myself under really undue pressure. So I was freaking out about, oh man, I know I can beat Shoney. That's not an issue. But what if I get cut? What if something happens? I get, you know, something and and they gotta stop the fight. So I was thinking about that and scrambled eggs and water all night. That's all I thought about. I was losing my mind. I was absolutely losing my mind. So anyway, I make weight and uh I go back to my room and I start cramping. I start having really severe muscle cramps and I've got uh, uh, blurred vision, all kinds of stuff. Right? I, it, was, it was bad. And then, um, so I had to tie my wrestling shoes on as tight as I could. So my feet wouldn't cramp and curl this way, right? Wow. And my abs were cramped, everything. And I was in a ball, I was in a fetal position. I got on my hotel room phone and I called my manager and I said, you gotta get me to the hospital, dude. If I don't get an IV, and get a little bit of fluid in me intravenously, like I'm not gonna be able to fight, and this is gonna be bad. So, um, and I had to win that fight to go back and fight for the UFC title again because I just lost it to Carlos Newton. So anyway, Tom Sauer comes to get me. Tom Sauer was—he just passed away. He's a sweet sweetheart of a guy. Um, comes to get me to take me to the hospital, and we're walking up to the hospital, and Tom has horrible Tourette's. I mean, horrible Tourette's. Anything around women or minorities or anything, he just blurts shit out, right? And so we're walking up to the hospital in New Jersey, and it's all glass, and everybody working in there is black. And I put my hand on his chest, and I go, dude, you can't go in here with me. So you got to understand where my mind's at. You're completely destroyed mentally from cutting weight. You're panicked. And I mean, at at that point in interrogation, I'm giving up all the answers, right, for a glass of water. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> That's all I want. So I go. You can't go in here, Tom. I go. You're gonna blurt out the n-word, and they're gonna kick us out. I'm not gonna get my ib I'm not gonna be able to fight. And he goes, Pat. And he go, he always do this chirp thing and twitch and goes. <laughs> and he goes. He goes, Pat. He goes. Don't worry about it. He goes. I'm a Dade County paramedic. He goes. I have to deal with this all the time. I just explain it, and people understand, and, and we move on. And I'm like, okay. So we go in, and he goes, uh, ma'am, to the receptionist. He goes. Uh, my friend is in desperate need of an IV. He's super dehydrated. And He goes, click, 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 click. And the N word comes out three times in a row. <laughs> and this, 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 this lady works up. This lady looks up at him and goes, what did you just say? And he goes, and he's twitching. And he goes, I have horrible Tourette's. I have, I, I have horrible. And she looks at me and goes, oh God. She goes, like, we gotta get, yeah, he's like gonna die. She, my eyes are sunk way back in my head so they put three liters of saline into me and then i fought that night and ended up went on the fight yeah oh. uh, but that's that's just one crazy weight cut story that it's got some comedy to it though because you you gotta i can laugh at it now but back then i was panicking
2: yeah you're probably scared shitless right you got everything riding on this one fight and, yeah, uh, you, yeah. Gotta, you gotta pull through right or the family's gonna have something to say about that yeah 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 so
3: it was yeah good times buddy when you're when you're that hungry you you do desperate things yeah that's crazy
2: uh just so you know to uh pat shannon rich is actually watching the live feed right now and he said to say hello how you doing shannon good to see you buddy or good to hear from you (laughs) all right so let's get back into it so uh talk to us a bit about being the first ufc welterweight champion you know
3: more than anything because back then i was in training for fights, I would have to also debate politicians on TV and things like that, you know, and I went about it. There was, you know, the weight cut, preparing for the fight, not knowing if the event was even going to happen. Because the politicians and the boxing commissions weren't getting their cut, they were, you know, it wasn't sanctioned, and everything else. So it was, you know, it was, we believed in the cause, you know, the guys that were in early, of course, and we knew that the, fu- the, the game, the MMA, the sport of MMA would explode eventually. But, you know, it went kind of word of mouth back then. It, you'd get on a plane with a black eye and somebody would go, what happened to you? And then you'd tell them what happened and that you fought the night before or whatever. And then you'd explain the sport to them and you'd make a fan, right? They're like, wow, that's actually very complex. Um, I'm going to start watching that, you know? Yeah. And so, but, the, you know, the, so by winning that title, you know for me it was more symbolic of that we had kind of arrived to a certain extent that you know we're, we're helping the sport improve the sport is growing although we're still under a lot of scrutiny and a lot of pressure um it was it, it was um it was a tough battle something that you know look when you're passionate about something and you believe in it and very few others do because well they want they want they want to get money in their pockets from you you know it is what it is so we, you know in my debates with politicians I would have to understand that I would have to diffuse their argument because they were lying, they would say, well, you know, I'm, I'm concerned, like one of the Illinois politicians that I debated, he said, I, I'm just worried about, you know, someone getting severely hurt or killed. And I said, if, if representative Boland was concerned with injuries and deaths, um, they would have banned little league baseball long ago, seven kids die a year from line drives, you know, um, you know, football, you know, severe injuries. You know, and and of course, uh, Dante knows that. And, you know, all these different sports I would go through with the fatalities and the injury rates and everything else. And I said, I got to auto racing. I go, spectators die watching auto race. So if you were concerned about anything safety wise, there would be no sports at all. Okay, I said, this is about money. This is about the state of Illinois, the politicians and the boxing commissions, the athletic commissions not getting their cut. That's all this is about. And he would have to go. Well, yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty much financial. That's pretty much financial. So you know that's what I'd have to do to uh, kind of just paint them into a corner and and uh, win those debates. And that's that's the thing. Every one of the debates that I would do with politicians, I would always end up getting them to admit that it was not about safety. It was about them getting their money. Right. So,
2: so
0: backs. Yep. <laughs> Follow the money. That's so, all you gotta do. So so as a as an athlete i know um you have dreams goals and aspirations right yeah to the, to the highest level possible to become the most elite level athlete you could possibly be in most cases so did you ever was it ever a dream of yours to 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 be inducted into the hall of fame or was that was that like something that along the way became oh I can, well i, can that I mean it, it kind of appeared you know what i
3: mean but you know for me before I was ever in the UFC hall of fame, you know, I got inducted into the Dan Gable national wrestling hall of fame and Dan Gable was my childhood idol. So I loved, you know, God, you know, I think about some of the guys that I loved watching you know, football players like Earl Campbell, uh, Jack Lambert, you know, all those guys, you know, back in those days, they were so tough. So mean, Mm -hmm. um, and Dan Gable, like I read every Dan Gable book. I watched every Dan Gable, uh, documentary as a little kid i was going to iowa wrestling meets and just idolized all these guys that wrestled for him and he he walked on water so when they called me up and asked if i would um show up and, and for the ceremony and be inducted into the hall of fame i went i mean really that's yeah i'll show up for that you know and i got to sit next to dan gable and and uh, have dinner and talk to talk to the guy that that drove me not only as an athlete but as as a coach because I I I, mir- I I mirrored everything he did as a coach as well and my mentality was that if we know we've outworked everyone and we work technique more than everyone and we know we're in better shape I mean fighting comes down to technique and endurance and you're look you're gonna get a lot of mean rough cats that that get into into um, mma they they just are they're just they, are, you know, by, by experience in life and everything else, they've been through some tough stuff in life and they're just mean, but it's going to come down to like my favorite saying, one of my favorite sayings is I'd rather fight a great fighter in mediocre shape than a mediocre fighter in great shape, or than a mediocre fighter in great shape, yeah. because that guy's going to be a zombie and keep walking towards you no matter what you do. him, And that that's a nightmare fight. So, um, we just knew that we, we outworked
0: everybody most of the time. Right sound like my little slogan how can it be yeah. and I work working
3: <laughs> yeah yeah buddy yeah
0: that's the truth
3: and uh if you just and you it's almost like you have to hypnotize yourself into being something right yeah you have to you, you have to convince yourself day after day after day that you can do it even after all the hardships the injuries the setbacks you know all that stuff you know it's that's you got to get up with faith every day and you know i doesn't matter. The bigger, the bigger the, the wall that gets put in my in my way, the harder I'm going to get over it, through
0: it, around it, whatever. Right? Yeah. That's that. Like that right there is that's that's everything. And I think that's lost um, on a lot of the, you know, the next wave of of young athletes. I don't think they they have that burning desire or that passion to um, stare adversity in the face and then say. I'm gonna kick your ass and I'm gonna defeat you. I think a lot of times with the with the young guys nowadays is if it doesn't happen for them like now, like McDonald's drive-through now, then they kind of lose focus and they 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 steer away from it. And I think I was explaining to uh, to one of the parents of one of the young men I trained, I said, we didn't have, I didn't have a me. I mean, I had my dad and some other guys, coaches and stuff, but back in the eighties and nineties, there were no trainers. There was no facilities and guys you could pay to train you and and, and walk you from A to Z. Right. Now that exists and a lot of these kids have uh, the luxury and the resources to be able to, you know, be trained, mentored and coached by a former D1, a former NFL, a former professional athlete, Like, like unheard of back then, right? Yeah. So I just feel like if, if 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 they would match their their physical abilities, because obviously the athletes now are beyond more more athletic than back then, right? Due, right. To, due to the resources and the training, right? Sure. And, and nutrition, right? So if they if they can put the old school work ethic that we came up, that old blue collar steel meal, I'm finna. I got my hard hat, and lunch pail type mentality with. Yeah. they have in terms of resources today they will all be successful is that that simple and it's, well and the thing is when when you say like the
3: athletes I think there's more there's a there's a greater number of incredible athletes but you know, like you think back like you you mentioned that will Chamberlain went to your high school oh bill Cham- I, I think will Chamberlain in his prime still imagine that guy in the NBA now I mean there's a guy that scored over 100 points and I mean the guy was a freak right so oh, there no. was still a lot of and dave schultz in wrestling like a dave schultz in wrestling you know a dan gable in wrestling you know those type of guys i mean scary scary people so there, there's i think i think motivation potential starvation Mm -hmm. potential being homeless Mm -hmm. can motivate anybody to go through any level of fire they have to to be successful Mm -hmm. right you know and my, my daughter, I've got three daughters, my oldest daughter, when she was about 12 or 13, probably said to me, she goes, I want to become a fighter. And I said, no, you don't. And she goes, well, you, yeah, I do. And I go, let me ex- explain to you why you don't. Okay. I said, you have options. I have worked my tail off to make sure that you have options, that you can eventually go to college and that you can get a great job in in an industry that you pursue, choose to pursue with your heart that fulfills your life. And I said, I didn't have that option. I had to do what I did to get to the point that I'm at to provide for you. I said, so eventually you're going to get to a point against an athlete who's as good athlete as you are, but has an empty refrigerator at home. And they will gladly put you in the hospital to fill that refrigerator. And when I said it to her that way, she went, I get it, I
0: get it, you know. Well, no, Um, I I, I agree. So it was Bill Russell who went to my high school. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, Bill Russell, sorry. So what I'm saying is, I'm not, I'm saying there's more, like, per Oh, yeah, yeah. More more athletic guys, like, they're doing shit that's, like, unheard of. Like, more of them. Like, for example, being from Oakland, I know the East Bay Funk was the name of the dunk that J.R. Ryder did in the slam dunk contest. Right, right. And back then, going between your legs and dunking the ball was like, whoa. Now, your kids in high school doing that shit. So, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, if there's a lot more. So, you know, I'm saying if they would utilize the resources that exist for them today, and yeah. if, they, if they would really, like, love it and hone the skill and really take pride in that. And I'm not saying all young people don't do this because there's still some with that dog-dog mentality. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, it's like, we came up in a different era, so it was like hunger. You yeah. wanted yeah. to be great. It was something motivating you and pushing you. Yeah, and yeah.
3: It, it, it's,
0: it's I, this is the way I explain it.
3: It's it's, it's migrant mentality, and mm-hmm. I've always had migrant mentality. My family came from Croatia. It's a very tough part of the region of the world. Any great athlete, in my mind, a lot of them. Look at Francis uh, Ngannou. Look at, uh, Francis Ngano. Look at uh, um, you know, the guys that are winning titles now in the UFC. Those guys haven't been in this country for a long time. And those guys came from really, really rough, rough lives. And they have true immigrant mentality, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the thing is is a lot... I'm telling you, man, it, when you look around you and you know what I'm talking about in Canada and America, people have gotten soft. Oh, very. People yeah. have gotten very soft. There's yeah. no... There, there's a lack of accountability for their actions, all that sort of stuff, and it, it's just a weird. That's why there's this epidemic of people not making weight in MMA, because it, it, it's a mirror of society right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm fighting for a world title and I can't even make weight. Are you kidding me?
0: <laughs> <laughs> How important is it? Where's the priority level? Like, yeah, right. That's that's the thing that pisses me off. Coaching, I, I'm a coordinator. Yeah, at- right. So I'm yeah. ready- recruiting these young guys and they don't understand what it what it truly took like everybody talks about d1 d1 especially because we live in the twitter twitter age everybody yeah, wants right. to be important and they want attention so instead of actually putting in the work to be that guy that you say you are they want to live the facade of the guy that they say they are you know what right. I mean? Right. Just, yeah like why don't you just you, you wasting all this time bullshitting, typing stuff. Why don't you actually put your head down and grind and then you'll become what you say you are. But yeah. like I said we live in a time where soft and I always use this analogy. When you've been eating some shit that's been fake, that's processed, i.e. McDonald's cheeseburgers with their processed ass meat and cheese. Yeah, You finally eat a real grade A, 100% beef, Angus beef burger, That fake shit probably gonna taste better than the real because that's what you've been eating all this time, right? Well, it's
3: it's all about grease and salt, right? Grease and salt. That's what they but you know I'm gonna tell you this about human performance and this not to not to go off the rails, but about human performance, this will freak you out a little bit. And I've been around a lot of uh high-level special forces guys. I've been lucky to be able to train a lot of those guys and stuff like that. And I've heard some crazy stories from some of those guys about things that they have done, superhuman shit, right? And Then I got a former fighter of mine, and I won't say who it is, but he um, he had been sober for about four years, and he was out for a run one day on a really hot uh, August day, and he collapsed apparently, and he was having convulsions on a sidewalk, and he lived in uh, Oak Oak Lawn, I believe, uh, Oak Park, Chicago, and uh, so they took him to the hospital, and this it blew my mind. And then in talking with another common friend of ours, it, it, it all hit me. So anyway, he said, I wake up in the hospital, but I had a vision. And I had a vision, I was in a giant, it was almost like an aircraft hangar for seven forty sevens, And there were these giant machines in there that everybody was working on. And I walked through the building. And then I walked out and a beam of sun hit me. And When the beam of sun hit me, I felt that I had superhuman powers. So now fast forward, he wakes up in the hospital. He's got three pairs of handcuffs on his wrists and he's strapped down to the bed with all kinds of canvas straps all over the place. Right. And he goes, what is going on? And there's a couple cops sitting in there and they're terrified he's awake. Right. And he goes, what's going on? And they go. We put a pair of handcuffs on you because you broke out of the leather straps. And we put leather straps on you and a pair of handcuffs. You broke out all of those. Then we strapped you down again and put two handcuffs on you. You broke all of those. We put three pairs of handcuffs on you and all of these canvas straps. And you finally didn't break anything. You just stopped moving. Wow. And, and so wow. when he had that vision, when he was unconscious and he wasn't there, he they, and the cops said, you never tried to hurt us. You were just busting out of stuff. And wow. so you, you realize, and then um in talking with a couple of these guys that are into the mind into levels of i know people that can go out and run you know like david clark who's deceased now but he could go out and run that death valley race 135 miles through 131 degree heat and you go from sea level up to 10,000 feet altitude as you get through the valley and then start going up through the mountains he did stuff like that and he would hallucinate, but he would meditate while he would do it. So superhuman things in the human body are untapped in most, but for whatever reason, certain people can attain these types of power, this level of ability, because of their ability to meditate and tap into a part of the brain and a part of the consciousness that a lot of people can't, right? So it all exists. It's almost like understanding that you actually have godlike powers. Mm-hmm. And, and finally, realizing it and making it happen, and that's the crazy thing about it is uh, that's why I'm really against uh, you know pharmaceuticals. I'm against you know all of that type of stuff. I'm against anything that's not completely organic, you know. And and uh, you know, sure, do I have a bad meal once in a while? Yeah, but I mean, I'm looking for stuff that's the most organic, the the best for the human body's performance and healing that I can find, and it's it's. It, it truly is is powerful stuff when you talk to these guys and the things that they could do, right?
0: That's that's I, I preach that a lot to my athletes. I tell them, you know, God has blessed each and every one of us with an innate ability, innate ability, like a superpower. I tell them this, and they look at me like, man, what the hell are you talking about? I'm like, no, seriously, your job in your life is to figure out what the hell that superpower is. I figured out what mine was a long time ago. So right. I text it out. When God blesses everyone with these abilities, it is your job to figure out what those abilities are. And then I tell them all the time, most of the world, 90 to 95% of the people living in the world live mundane, boring, terrible lives because they never find out what their superpowers are. That's your passion passion and purpose, right? Right, right. once you figure those things out, your gift back to God is to max them out and share them. Well, there's a lot of people trying to do something that they're not good in because they're avoiding the thing that they're actually just so very, very talented in doing. Like you're good with numbers, but you're trying to play the piano and you can't you can't figure out a damn note. Or you want to yeah. sing and you sound like an alley cat, but you're very good at being a teacher. But right. you're banging your head trying to do something you're not good at. So I think I think that that plagues a lot of people in their lives and they just get you know, sucked into the rat race because they're they're they give up because what right. they want to do and what their purpose is is opposite. Right.
3: That's the truth, man. That's the truth because you know, for me, um, and I, it's kind of weird. You know, as a kid, I got picked on a lot. Like all my brothers were giants. Everywhere I went, I got picked on. I got my bike stolen from me. I got you know just. And one day, I just kind of just I said, the last time I got picked on was in seventh grade, and I went, that's it. I'm done. There's no more of this. And it kind of created a monster, right? It kind of created a monster to where, you know, it got to the point where, and I'm not proud of it at all. Before I was in in MMA and and got into professional kickboxing and all that sort of stuff, you know, working as a security guy at nightclubs and stuff, I've worked in some pretty rough places, and I I was in a lot of fights, at least a couple hundred fights, probably 300 were up and somehow i survived all of those i got hurt a couple times but i never really lost and there were some fights where i got in fights with i got in fight with a biker gang <laughs> 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 they attacked me they attacked me with pool cues and i i somehow i somehow uh beat, beat them all up but i i didn't survive it unscathed but everything would go in slow motion it was bizarre right so it was just I guess it just came natural to me at some point you're, you're so motivated and it caused fear I think it picked on my whole childhood caused fear I never wanted to I never wanted to get picked on again and it just created a burning desire right
2: and you probably never got picked on again
3: well I've I've had people attempt to do. It. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I, I'm not you know look I'm a middle-aged guy I'm not out I haven't been in a fight I don't even know how many decades whatever but you know, once I started fighting uh, professionally and stuff, you know, all that stuff stopped. Yeah. Uh, you know, you got nothing left to prove, and you don't want to get sued, all yeah. that sort of stuff. So it's a lot easier, a lot easier to walk away from clowns
0: at that point, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You see the point. Yeah. Don't be a part of the circus. Right. Right. <laughs> especially, especially now, man. People, we living in time, which is kind of what I want to kind of uh, digress to Ryan, if you don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we live in a time right now um, where there's a lot going on, right? So you have it's social media, right? And all the attention, I, you know, you see these videos and there's people out here doing some crazy shit, right? Yeah, Just absurd things. So with that said, you know, alluding back to what you just said in terms of getting sued, like people people are out here, doing, it's, it's, times are tough and rough and people are doing any and everything to try to attempt to clout chase or get some money about you so sure sure
3: well and it's unfortunate you know that people pay attention to you know the media um and it's it's easy to to fool people who trust right like i i don't i it was early on when i just stopped trusting you know the authorities right there's just something look, if they cared about us, we wouldn't constantly be in wars. We wouldn't constantly be, you know, killing massive amounts of people around the world. We wouldn't be taking resources from them we wouldn't be enriching people who are already billionaires and stuff like that. You know, this isn't about, this isn't about freedom, right? None of this stuff's about freedom. And so that's, that's important, you know? And so the way we explain it to people to try and help them understand is that I can't, if you believe something, if it's a belief that's seated in the lizard part of the brain, I can't pry it out of there with a crowbar by telling you facts from stuff that I've researched. It just doesn't work. So we have these, this divide that's easily created by those who don't trust and those who do trust. Mm-hmm. And so in hypnosis, the way that I would uh, hypnotize somebody is, I elicit an emotion out of them and then I make a suggestion, right? Emotion, suggestion, motion, suggestion. And I go back and forth. And I've been by my one of my friends, he's a hypnotist, and I have been hypnotized by him to start doing some mind work, right? And so uh, what the what the media does is they show you pictures of body bags, and then they show you a refrigerator truck, and then they show you a, a Chinese person in Wuhan in a hospital bed having a convulsion and then they tell you uh, the talking head comes on whom you view as an authority on the truth mm-hmm. on the information and they say "Covid has officially arrived in america put on your masks, lock down your businesses uh save grandma and grandpa we might all die and everybody believes it, right yeah and when i saw when i saw a newscast about it and they showed a, a giant bat in a bowl of soup i went You've got to be kidding me that they are actually trying to scare people this badly that they're gonna show a bat in a bowl of soup and tell them that's where it comes from. Right. And you gotta understand from my historical perspective of, of having my podcast is we've been covering this stuff in biological warfare and, and bioweapons for a long time, man. We've been we've been talking about Diliana Gatan who uncovered the documents, Pentagon documents about 25 bioweapons laboratories that encircled Eurasia. Uh, with the ability to create weaponized viruses that attack specific DNA. And the scientists that work in those labs have diplomatic immunity, which means they can ship and carry anything they want, and you can't search. If that doesn't send up red flags to people about the swine flu, the bird flu, SARS, Mars, all these different things that have come around. And if, and I try to explain to, to people who maybe think in a, in a more left, leading fashion. I say, okay, let me let me see if we can agree on one thing. Can we agree that warfare, physical warfare, is what I just said to steal the resources from nations and enrich powerful people? And they're like, yeah, yeah, we can agree on that. I go, okay, so what would make us asymmetrical warfare any different? Why would you invest in the uh, industries that invest billions of dollars into development of weaponized viruses. Why would they spend all that money to weaponize viruses and then and then not release them and make money off? Them? Right? And so the media's job is to completely confuse and divide a nation on religion, on color, on gender, on financial status, on everything. You've got families falling apart because they can't figure out what's up down, right? Yeah. And it's it's that's just by design, right? And uh, you know it's it's very unfortunate. You know, I, I, uh, you know, for me, I just say, guys, hey, you know, and I've been targeted. I've been targeted with slander and lies and all kinds of stuff, because I'm telling people to unite. Because it's not left versus right. Mm-hmm. It's some very very powerful families in this in this world that control everything and control the media and control. You know, look, it is what it is. It's it's not me versus my my fellow citizens. It's us versus the oppression that's coming down from the powerful people. You know, yeah. you got you got to snap out of it, you know, and uh, that's the thing is, you know, it's 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 hard. It's, it's hard when you understand it to that level, I guess, for me, after interviewing a lot of scientists, um, a lot of other folks, experts, intelligence officials, stuff like that, and you and you figure things out to that level, it's, it's kind of hard to have somebody walk up to you and go, you need to have a mask on <laughs> you can understand you can understand that the thought that goes through my head for
0: for that person well a, a sixth grader could figure this whole this pandemic yeah i'm yep. i'm an outside the box thinker i've been called a conspiracy theorist since i was in high school whatever it's not right you see right. when they do this shit in your face and they right. expect you to be that stupid not to see but it's like you know the old trick <laughs> like I mean it's like, okay, so we talked about the, we talked about the uh, police brutality thing that's been going on for not not this is not a recent thing people. This has been going on before there were cell phone cameras Yeah, yeah. we are talking pre-slave and slave and yeah. free hold on <laughs> supposedly yeah. black people. And it's been going on forever. Yeah. And it's, it right. hasn't stopped. Now it's just the fact of the matter is we we all have privy to these, so we can catch it, right? Yeah. So right. just imagine the thousands of times prior to cell phone cameras, this shit was happening, right? One hundred percent. I just feel like, you know, for me being a California kid, you know, an inner city California kid, like you know, I grew up in a predominantly black neighborhood, the hood, but you know. Here it's multicultural, it's a melting pot here in California for the most part. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I may I, I've witnessed some racist shit growing up, but nowhere near the 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 to the point of maybe one of my friends that grew up in Mississippi, obviously. Right. Um, but it exists. And the yeah. sad the sad part about the whole racism thing, and I told some I told some. I said, racism isn't real, it's not a real thing. It's a socially learned behavior. Because yeah. really when it comes down to it, and I know you're probably gonna agree with this, they don't care about color. The only color they care about is green. It's yeah. yeah, yeah they don't really but yeah, they have the level of people fighting this fake racism thing. That shit doesn't exist. It's created to keep yeah. things in place, right? Keep, well, and,
3: and that's the thing is that, you know, you think about the way oh, yeah. You know, black Americans absolutely were targeted. And they, they have been and they still are, right? Mm-hmm. They still are. They're targeted. And the, that, that wedge in society that's created by the media driving a lot of it. And you know, just something like me applying for, and I recognized this when I was young. I was like, applying for a job and you gotta check a box what color you are, why does that matter? It is that shit. doesn't matter. Right. That shit doesn't matter. Why do I gotta check a box what color I am for a loan on a house or a loan on a car? The people that created those documents, that shit got handed down from the top, trust me, are the ones that manipulate everything about this, right? They're the ones that have manipulated everything. And so, you know, look, I mean, now you think about it, it was, it had become acceptable for everyone to take money from the government, right? Yeah. Everyone at this point. Because of COVID, everybody's getting loans, everybody's getting money so now well now people aren't going back to work doesn't matter what color you are who you are whatever you are a lot of people just don't want to go back to work and they're just sitting on their asses collecting that universal income that they've been talking yeah. about for a long time right well this is how they create communism this is how they create that technocratic neo-marxist uh, you know surveillance state that's how they do it you know and people this isn't about a virus this isn't about any of the the division that they've created amongst the religions and the races and rich and the poor and all that stuff, uh, this is is about, you know, literally, I mean, unfortunately, um, enslaving mankind. This is a global, this is a global push, man. And Elon Musk's, Elon Musk's uh, uh, Skylink satellite trains going overhead that night that you can see now and then, that's that's not about that's not about higher intelligence freeing and freeing mankind. I can tell you that. <laughs> no.
0: Well, no, I, and, and, and like I said, like you know, you have uh, if you were to take a, 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 a black kid, African American kid, a Caucasian kid, a Chinese kid, an Arab kid, uh, Mexican Latino. We can keep going on and on. And we all put them in a sandbox. They would they would love each other. Yeah. Yeah. Until, yeah. until you get one ignorant ass adult to say, yeah. Don't play with that N-word. Or hey, yeah. don't play with that, you know, makes, you know, you know, the yeah. you know, right, right. Right. So it's social behavior. It's you can't, you you're not born that way. That, that's right. socially learned behavior. So I just feel like more people need to become woke. I was having a debate with one of my friends about the vaccine thing. And I said, well, you have to understand my perspective on it. You, have you ever heard of the, the, the Tuskegee uh, Airmen Project? <laughs> yeah, the Tuskegee experiment. we talked about it on our show, dude. Yeah, it's a bunch of black men getting injected with syphilis purposely. Yeah. The government didn't tell them. That's basically human lab rats. For 40 years, 40 years. So you think you think I am going to trust this shit? And and, and here's the other thing. If it was so effective and it was so uh, good for you, then why do they have to bribe people to take it?
3: Right. Right. Well,
0: and, you know, I urge people
3: again. I can't lift those beliefs out of somebody's lizard brain. Right. Go do honest research for themselves. Yeah. And actually search out, you know, the past studies done on animals with gene therapy drugs and the stuff that happened with that. You know, you, you've got to look into that. you got to look into some of the, the recent papers that have come out about gene therapy drugs and these early injections. And, you know, I mean, I'm talking to a scientist who's an expert in mitochondrial and cellular damage when toxins enter the body. And I had to ask him these specific questions to get him to either say, yes, that's true, or no, that's not true. And my questions were, okay, George, what what percentage of human cells is the human body? And he said, about one one-tenth of our cells are are human cells. And nine-tenth is bacteria and viral cells. And I said, Okay. I said can a viral cell from your respiratory system migrate to any other organ in your body? He said, no, they're specific to the organ on the part of your body. Viral cells are specific. So I said, okay, so if they can't migrate from my, my respiratory system to say my liver, that's safe to say that viral cells can't migrate and make somebody else sick. And he goes, true. And I said, what, what purpose do viral cells serve and he said when toxins enter the body viral cells in the body bond with those toxins and then they their job is to be expelled attached to those toxins through your pores your breath um your urine and your feces mm-hmm. and i said okay so it's the toxins that people shed that get others sick and he said yes it's not the, it's not the viral cell and so I said, so when people are shedding these toxins, say from getting injected and getting others sick, then we see a spike in numbers. And he goes, very likely, most likely. And I said, okay. I said, uh, so how is it affecting the other people? Are they getting immune to it because they were exposed in another way than having it injected into them? And he goes, we don't know yet, right? We don't know. And I said, you know and he 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 goes through some real technical stuff and says, you know if this uh, if they figured out scientifically some of the paperwork that I've read on this, if they figured out how to get this this to create these proteins that it's creating and they fold in a different way and they attach to the internal organs and everything else, he goes he goes it's it's not a it's not a pretty picture. it's not a pretty picture when a when a new virus is introduced." Well, wow. we have to wait for flu season for that,
0: right yeah well, i just I, I just don't understand how it's just beyond me like because you know social media you, you read comments right, and you you, you you see the debates. and i I just can't believe so many people are just like get them you, you, I'm vaccinated like they're so proud to say they're vaccinated, and that they're making a big deal out of being vaccinated but I'm, I'm in my mind we were all told that yo like faculty couldn't even answer direct questions like okay so if I get a vaccination I can still get sick uh yeah if I get a vaccination I'm probably gonna have to do two or three more shots right yeah so what's the what's the point of getting vaccinated if I I've been around i, I train, trained coach mentor work in the school district since, this, since the pandemic started, I've been around young people. I haven't had a sniffle and that's over a year. So right. if I feel as though I'm, I'm cool and I've, and I've tested, because as a, as a junior college football coach, I have to test like every other week, negative, 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 negative. negative then, 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 then why do I feel like there's going to be this big push to get everybody vaccinated or they're going to start taking away rights?
2: Like, yeah. You know, uh, pat sorry that's why we had this conversation last week pat that's why i got vaccinated that's why i scheduled my next shot for next Friday is because i don't want to be left behind right i want to be able to travel i want to be able to attend sporting events i want to be able to go to the park i want to be able to do these things and i'm in fear that if i'm not vaccinated i'm not going to have that chance
3: well here's what here's what i would tell you is um, I have to, from my standpoint, after all the people that I've talked to, whether it was scientists or intelligence officials, and the history of, of big big pharmaceutical companies and the billion, billions and billions of dollars. Look, I mean, you know, when I said earlier, follow the money, uh, people have to understand the message that's being sent out, okay, is big pharma will spend six point five billion dollars this year on television ads they literally keep those buildings lit and heated and everybody gets you know paid because of that sort of that sort of money 5.5 billion on radio and 21 billion on digital ads okay um also billions that have gone to politicians campaigns over the years on both sides of the aisle and then on top of that the cdc which uh Dr. Anthony Fauci stands next to President Trump and and then President Biden. Comes from a nonprofit organization that is propped up by pharmaceutical money.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: How does a private company, propped up by these special interests, who obviously want to sell their drugs, allowed to dictate and control and suppress information from other doctors and scientists and immunologists? Molecular scientists, people who are very intelligent and know what they're talking about with this. Why are they suppressed and kicked off social media? So you gotta understand that big pharma and big tech, those are nations now, and they are the most powerful nations. They're the ones that, that control everything. So, uh, because through history, as I said, I don't know if I mentioned to you, there were four, there's been four groups of the most powerful people in the world. First, it was the conquerors, then religious leaders, then presidents of nations, and now it's the CEOs of these giant multinational corporations. Yep. And they call the shots, man. They call the shots. And so, um, I mean, I know why I've been targeted with lies and slander and all kinds of other shit um, is because I, I try to explain this stuff to people, right? But I I can't make decisions for people. Um, I pray that I'm not right, but you know, it's, I don't know, over the past six years of doing my show, we've been proven right over and over and over. I mean, we got called, um, we got called lunatics from the, from the word go early in our show when we said, well, our state department is just one of the groups, intelligence folks and stuff, uh, organizations that are arming and funding ISIS when that all started and people went dude, what are you talking about? And I go, it's not that tough to figure out. It it is really not. I mean, you know, from the Mujahideen in Afghanistan to, you know, operations in North Africa to all over the place, you know, this stuff's been going on for a long time. And then documents eventually come out that prove that we were right about that and people have to tell us. And at the beginning of this, I said, don't put your mask on, don't close your business. You have a good portion of us, don't listen to these people. They will lose all power. They will realize that their power is an illusion. They only have the power that you give them. Mm-hmm. And when you acquiesce, you give them, they, they stay to stand on the gas that much more. And so you got to understand that um, you know, Fauci now his emails coming out. It's still just a distraction, but it proves we were correct that it was lab created, right? It yeah. proves that we were correct all along. And but you gotta keep your eye on the prize of what this is really about. This is about that 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 control, that global control of mankind. And uh, it's, you know, that's that's not a great, that's not a great uh, vision that I have for my children's freedoms. I want my children to have more freedom than I have, right? And the only way that we get to that isn't by Americans picking up their guns and, and going around shooting politicians and stuff. It only comes by people mentally and physically and spiritually ascending to a higher level. That's the only way this happens. And so that's kind of just where I'm at with all of this. And uh, I, you know, I can only pray about it, right? I can only pray about it and uh, hope that people, and it seems as though people are really starting to wake up, but they're still behind. They don't, they don't understand where this is headed still.
2: Yeah. I, I couldn't even imagine having kids right now, like a young child, you know, bringing a young, a young child into the world right now, to me is a crazy thought very crazy thought because what's going to be you know what's gonna be left for them when they're our age you know
3: it all depends on if mankind ascends to that higher level of consciousness right that's all we can do is be you know all i can do is just do my best to stay strong
0: and pray a lot
3: and uh you know that's that's really all i can do and you know my brother had terminal cancer last summer and uh i got he's my last brother my other two brothers are deceased and um, you know, for me, I've had to go through hardship to 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 basically realize what's going on in the world, right? Yeah. So my my two oldest brothers committed suicide because they they never got rid of their demons. They were molested by a Catholic priest, right? So and they were they were my idols. I mean, one was a multimillionaire by the time he was in his mid twenties. Uh, the other one was, uh, you know, college grad and Air Force, Air Force pilot and all that sort of stuff. And both those guys, you know, a couple years apart committed suicide. And it was because of that, you know, that nightmare that they had to deal with. So, you know, when people think about and I don't blame Catholic parishioners or any of that, but, you know, people have to understand there's very, very dark organizations in this world that people don't see behind closed doors, you know, the Wizard of Oz behind them behind the curtain so for me through that extreme pressure in life and some hardships that i've had to go through was what made me go yeah you know what i'm not buying i'm not buying it i'm going to research it and i'm going to find out right i'm going to find out and you know think about 9-11 when that happened and everybody was like rah 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 go get the terrace go get the terrace yeah (laughs) that it's yeah you know that's that's just one that's just one operation out of many
2: yeah. You've obviously watched the documentary lose change.
3: Well, Jason Burmas is here with, uh, at the fights with me. He's the one that created that
2: really tell yeah. him I said, hi,
3: I will do that. <laughs> I, I will do that. Yeah. Jason, Jason left New York, um, brought his sister and her children with her, uh, with him to, uh, Benton, North, Iowa, where I grew up, uh, because he, he was getting out of New York. He knew, he knew things were going to get crazy and, uh, so I told him come to Iowa, watch Michael Nunn and I get to meet some people, hang out. And uh, I think you'll find Iowa a pretty friendly place. So so he got a house here and he lives here now and so we hang out quite a bit. That's awesome. Yeah. So he's yeah, he he knows what's up. And you know, for him he's he's been in, he's been talking about DARPA tech technology and DARPA projects for a long time. You I tell you what, that's you know they just they just confirmed the first autonomous drone kill. so it it found, hunted and killed uh, a guy in Libya, just I don't know how when it exactly happened, but they actually confirmed it and finally released that technology. And the news is is portraying it as, oh, this is amazing technology. That's awesome. Are you crazy? No. Like uh, autonomous machines now
2: terminators
3: yeah yeah so you know do i do i want to live underground
0: to survive a bunch yeah. of drone attacks not really no well you they they say the movies hey those i mean they're not they're there there isn't directors with that type of brain power to just poof wake up and write this script of all this shit it's just not it's like, all it's all
3: it's all predictive programming yeah so yeah.
0: you know I I was I I remember watching uh was it what was that movie uh Running Man or no Demolition Man with Sylvester okay Sylvester and Wesley Snipes yeah so, so in that movie it was the same thing we we're talking about it's like the have the haves versus the have nots so the people that went underground they would come up and steal food to eat you know the rich were very prosperous above ground and right this was before the merger Ryan, remember we talked about this this was in the 90s right so. Kentucky Fried Chicken and Taco Bell or, or, or these, these, you know, where you could go in one and then you could buy from two different, you know, yeah. Companies in one, in one building. Right. 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 So that was on that, in that movie. Yeah. I, mean, I haven't, it wasn't in real life yet. And then all of yeah. a sudden we start seeing those. Right. So Absolutely. this stuff, this stuff is is serious business and people just need to wake up and understand, like you said, it's, it's, you know, and I don't want to be too biblical, but it says in the Bible, we're not fighting against, you know, flesh, we fighting against the, the morals and principalities and things of that nature. And people got to elevate their mind state, how you just said earlier, to really digest this stuff and sit there and think, I just, I just, it bothers me that there's so many sheep. Like, when you tell somebody something, it's, Oh, that's so far fish. Oh, that, that, no, no, no. I'm like, dude,
3: like. that's your Wally voice. (laughs) Well, that's the thing is, you know, at the very beginning of this, when they were talking about, they were just talking about lockdowns, right? Potentially we might have to do two weeks. And I go, don't do it. Don't do it. And I said, flat out, I go, the people that put on those masks and believe this are the ones that are going to get us all killed. They're the ones that are going to get us all killed. Literally. And people just like, dude, are you tinfoil hat, you know, all this other stuff and scope? All right, go ahead. You know, <laughs> I, I'm
1: not
3: I'm not going to sacrifice my kids freedoms like that. No. I'm just not, you know, and yeah. the, the thing that they, they would call me selfish for not wearing a mask, right? Mm-hmm. And I had a conversation with a city official from my hometown. And I said to him, I said, Hey, when are we, uh, what are we doing for 4th of July this year? And he goes, well, we're going to, we're going to probably, you know, do it on the third if the numbers don't go back up. And he's got a mask on, of course. And I go, hey, bud, I go, listen, when when are we all going to go ahead and wake up and pull our heads out of our asses here on this and kind of understand the bigger picture that 99.997% survivable is the flu. And he goes, hey, you know, Pat, uh, you know, I, I'm 60 some years old. I've got diabetes and I go, I don't care. I don't care if you have diabetes. I care about my seven year old's freedom to standing right next to them. That's what I care about. Yeah. And it's because 70 years after Americans and Canadians and British were storming the beaches at Normandy and getting blown to chunks. 18 year old kids and younger at you times, know? literally storming the beaches to go against Nazi Germany. And we've got grown men all around us, afraid to take off a mask. Yeah, they'll give up. They will sell out their children's freedom for their own safety. That's chicken shit stuff. Yeah, that's flat out chicken shit stuff, man. It really is because there's there's no ah. It's it's just hard to it's hard to comprehend that people have become that that so that that self absorbed that they're think that their life is actually worth more than our children's
0: freedom yeah no and i like i said like for me you know the you can't be selfish like don't the the amendment your rights like you you can't i can't tell you okay now and like you said it's going to take enough of us to you know stand up for that because like violating your rights if i then tell you if you don't put this foreign substance in your body you can no longer get on the airplane you can no longer go to these certain buildings you can no longer go to a, a athletic uh function with with numerous people or shit you probably, for that matter you can't go to walmart no more walmart's packed all over the country everywhere. so you uh, a, a home depot right so now if you don't take this vaccine now I'm gonna snatch away all your rights. It's sort of similar to how they kind of doing the driver's license thing here in California. I know uh, next year it's gonna be in full effect. The the uh you have to have a real ID. So you had to get a certain driver's license by 2022, or else you wouldn't able be be able to use that to fly or do these. See, that's the thing. That's the thing is that's um, you know. So the Nuremberg
3: Code on medical experiments on human beings was written um, because of, you know, uh, Dr. Dr. Mengele, the Nazi, the head of the Nazi medical experiments on on, uh, you know, Jewish citizens. Right. And he he was so diabolical, he especially loved twins. So he would do experiments on twins and inject one with something, inject one with the other, see what happened. Right? Six. And these are children. These are children. So. Um, We're looking at a level of evil that, I mean, Hitler and Mussolini and all these other nuts, Pol Pot, Mao Zedong, Stalin, those dudes are rolling around in their graves going, man, these dudes are pros. Like these people are pros at what they're doing. These, I wish I would have had that technology back then. I could have got the job done. Right. Yeah. So that's the thing is uh, the Nuremberg code was written because of that. And, and coercion. When you talk about coercion and being offered lottery tickets and yeah. you know free rides for your vaccine and all this other stuff, you know uh, food and donuts and whatever, dude, uh, that that's that's coercion. That's yeah. coercion, and you have to have you have to have informed consent to perform experiments on human beings. Mm-hmm. These people are not informed. They're being duped and coerced. Right. You know, there's a and I called up the health department here in my county, and I chewed their asses because the Scott County, Iowa health department put up posters. They handed them out to schools, and in my daughter's high school, there's a poster in there that says, "You know, get your vaccine." It's got a, a QR code on it, and that's not for more information. That's to get your, that's to get get yourself scheduled to get a get a, get injected. And these are high school kids walking through these hallways, right? And on it, it says. Uh, safe, tested, and effective. And I said, I called up the, I called up the high school first, I chewed their ass. And then I called up the, the health department, and I chewed their ass. And I said, in what way is an experimental drug safe, tested, and effective? How can you make those claims? You, you people are sick. You people are sick, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's, we're, we are, we're dealing with a, a level of evil that is beyond comprehension beyond human comprehension.
2: Well,
1: that's the thing, sir, we
2: are the test. We're the guinea pig right now.
3: Well, yes, yes. Um, unfortunately, those who got the injection and look, I pray that you know, I pray that I'm not correct about any of this stuff. Right? I really do. But at very least we're seeing and I'm sure it's happening in Canada, massive amounts of women who have stopped ovulating and stopped having uh, menstrual cycles, Uh, children, young girls suddenly having bleeding out uh, clots and all kinds of stuff. So at very least, I mean, you got to say that this thing is about depopulation
0: and sterilization. You have to. Wow. (laughs) What's that? It sounds about about right to me. I just, I'm, 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 hard, I'm, a hard, I'm a hard person to, 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 to sway, it's especially when I just do simple reading. That's all people have to do. And then when you go back to the whole 9-11 debacle, and I have my opinion, I have to say my opinion, right? So, you know, the person that owned that building, if I'm not mistaken, took out an insurance policy with a week or two. Prior to that, and then he used yeah. to like every Tuesday eat breakfast at the on the top floor, and then all of a sudden on this particular day he's not there. So yeah. it's just, it's, and, then, and then when you release the the, the manuscript or the, all the pages of detail of what happened, there's like 28 pages like you know right. blacked out. So yeah, I just I'm, it's hard for me to believe. Yeah, yeah. That, well, that, that, and, and as, as Ryan mentioned.
3: As Ryan mentioned, watch that documentary *Loose Change* by my buddy Jason Burmas, and he goes through all the different stuff that led up to those events. It doesn't matter whether the planes were were you know um, remotely flown into those buildings. Um, it doesn't matter the physical the physical stuff that happened at the towers. Besides the lives that were lost, that is some serious serious evil stuff to do this to human beings. But again. Why would they care about 3,000 people during 9-11 when the Gulf of Tonkin that started the Vietnamese war was a fake event that cost a million Vietnamese lives and 58,000 American soldiers lives? You think they care about anybody's lives when they're doing that
1: stuff?
0: Yeah, so when they say, have you ever heard the the term sacrifice a few for the greater good of all humanity? Well, that's Um, that's the common term that they use in
3: all these socialist and communist takeovers, it's for the greater good, right? essential worker have you you ever seen schindler's list yes sir okay now you can look it up on youtube it's a one minute clip and it's the one-arm lever puller that works in schindler's factory right yeah and so they've got all those all those jewish people out shoveling snow and he's got one arm and he's shoveling snow and the nazi soldiers grab him and they start walking him down down the street down the alley and he's saying, "But, but I'm an essential worker. I'm an essential worker." And then they just shoot him in the forehead and kill him, right? They I forgot about forehead. that. My, my uh, a good friend of mine just walked by who's former special forces. So this language has been used a million freaking times. And you just, you know, again, the beliefs that are lodged in the lizard part of the brain in a lot of people, you know, they just have to research for themselves. They have to.
2: Yeah. Yes, Pat, I don't want to keep you too much longer. I know that you're in a, at an event right now. Uh, you're supposed to be watching some boxing instead of you're hanging out with us. Uh, That's I all right. That. You know, um, I think it's important to get this information out. It is. I agree. Completely yeah. agree.
3: Yeah. Awesome. They're coming for us either way, brother.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. I think the eye-opener for me was, uh, I'm not going to mention names or anything like that, but I have somebody close to me that is a doctor. And uh, he told me, he said, I'm not getting my COVID vaccination. And uh, he told me why. And he said, they call him once a week and they say, you know, Mr. So-and-so your vaccination's ready for you. You know, make an appointment. He said, I'm not doing it. And he said, as a doctor, he said, the only thing they're pushing is for you to get that vaccination, you know, on TV, on, you know, on the news, on the radio, in the doctor's office, in the hospital, vaccine, 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 vaccine. He said, I'm not getting it. And he said, just do your homework and you'll find out why. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Cool. so so maybe cancel your next appointment brother
2: <laughs> yeah
0: I, I, yeah I, yeah i know i know no, but, but, but what i'm saying is if here's the deal this this is just the, the end all be all to that whole discussion and, and 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 like i said i'm not ryan is my dog so and i and i have some other friends that got vaccinated i'm not right. bad at you i'm just a little thrown off as to why but i get i'm not you know what I'm saying, people. You know. uh, yeah, we. You know, that's the thing is
3: we have to, no matter what, we have to show compassion towards one another, and we have to come together, right? Yeah. And we have to be empathetic. You know, there's a lot of people out there who have wives who are like, "You got to get it. You got to get it." Type right. stuff, and and employers pressuring people, and all kinds of other stuff. Look, um, like like I told you about my brother having he had uh, uh terminal cancer last summer. And in two and a half months um, from doing numerous different things naturally and medically. uh, But the oncologists at the University of Iowa are now referring people to my brother to get the product that we both sell because he had blastoid mantle cell lymphoma and was like a month away from being dead. And I got him started on this stuff and we started pounding it into his system and it it uh, the oncologists were like, this is incredible or sending other people to my, so they're sending people to my brother for this this product, right? And I just, all I can tell people is that the earth actually has the answers. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: It actually has the answers for you. Um, If you understand true organic stuff and the powers of it, and that we've mass produced food in the same soil for so long, we've depleted the soil of the nutrients that we're supposed to have in our bodies. And if you think people are getting sick from cancers and everything else at a more rapid rate for some unknown reason. It's, it's because they don't have the nutrients that they're supposed to have. You know, that's all there is to it. So you got to put those nutrients back in the body and help people, um, you know, look, you change people's lives. I mean, I've seen so many insane, uh, not only, not only healing, but, uh, but athletic performances because of this stuff. And so it's, it's off the charts. I've got guys, with the New York Giants organization that I've, I've sent the stuff to, it's on its way to them too. Tons of guys in the UFC are on. Um, a lot of athletes are are realizing the power of this stuff. You know, imagine you you you're a former professional athlete. Imagine 45% more oxygen at the cellular level. At the cellular level. So it creates an alkaline environment. It removes the heavy metals and toxins out of the cell. It activates the mitochondria, which are the furnace of the cell creates tons more energy so you can do more and you don't build up lactic acid because your muscles don't run out of oxygen, right? Your muscles don't run. You just can go and go and go and go and go. I've got buddies that are in their fifties who are ultra marathoners who have dropped a minute to two minutes off their per mile time. And their heart rate's 30 beats less a minute. And they're in their fifties and they've been running for decades. And all of a sudden that happened. Wow.
2: So That's something. That up your whole black oxygen.
3: Yeah, if you guys send me your addresses, make sure you give me your addresses, I'll have the company send you some and uh, you guys can try it. It's totally organic and plant-based. There's no chemicals, there's no nothing in it. It's uh it's uh, basically concentrated nutrients from the most nutrient-rich bog in Ontario.
2: Right. I looked at that link you sent me Pat and saw that they were they're they're based in Quebec. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I was actually thinking about buying some, but if you want to send me some first, you know, to test
3: it out, I'm, I'm fair game, man. Please do. Yeah. I'd love to. I, you, you guys are going to, you're going to go, I'm doing stuff that. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't done for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> the girlfriend will thank me. <laughs> well, and that's the funny thing. Middle-aged guys have asked me because they've been on it for a while. They'd come up to me and go, Hey, does it help with uh, you? you know what? And I, and I, and I, and I go, you know, the guy that's fifty-some years old, and I go, "You're waking up with wood every morning again, aren't you?" And they're like, "Yeah, <laughs> that's
1: awesome." <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, it, it resets the hormonal system, right? So, you know, um, a lot of people love it because it, it's got—it's even got natural occurring iodine in it, which resets your your, uh, your thyroid, so people can can get off their thyroid medications.
1: Nice, wow!
3: And because it has iodine, it protects you from radiation. Think of that. That's and neat. then the people call me up and they go, well, I'm allergic to this metal that's in it. I go, I had to ask the guy that, that formulated this and created it. I said, what What about these concerns about metals? He goes, Pat, you have to understand. These are metals that have been converted into the organic form by plants over all these thousands of years. And then it's decomposed. And so your body will take organic forms of mineral, minerals like that and metals. And your mitochondria in your cells will use those organic forms of metals as energy, as fuel.
2: Yeah.
0: Wow. So the,
2: the, the science behind it is very solid. You know, what's funny, Pat, is you talked about popping wood and all that warning wood. And all of a sudden I get this text message. I look at my phone. It's Dante with his address. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, yes,
3: I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, so it's, it's a, it's a pretty cool experience to see what's happening. You know, I, um, uh, I mean, it removes the inflammation out of the respiratory system, the arterial system, the joints, the muscles, all of that. You know, um, I I can breathe perfectly now um, where I had a lot of trouble breathing before uh, because I have a damaged respiratory system from black mold, a black mold situation. And, uh, you know, it goes on and on and on. It's, uh, the stories go on and on. And it's just, this does not treat, heal, or prevent any disease or sickness. I have to say that. Yeah, okay. Um, but it puts the nutrients into the human
2: body for it to rebuild. Nice. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to trying yeah. some out. I am too. So, Pat, Pat we'll uh, we'll get ready to wrap things up here. Uh, a couple more questions really quick. Uh, heading back to uh, Michael Nunn. So, uh, you hadn't fought since 2008. And then you took right. that Michael Nunn fight. Um, what made you come back for that fight?
3: Well, you know, it was something that, you know, um, for me, I launched an internet pay-per-view company. It's not a giant company, but it's something that I started after Access TV was bought out by a Canadian company, Anthem. Um, And we all lost our jobs. The whole department got let go, basically. And so I went home and I licked my wounds a little bit after the last broadcast we did. And then I said, wait a minute. I know people that live in my area. We could do this on the internet, yeah. uh, you know, a .com internet pay-per-view thing and cover, you know, local events, local, local fights and all that sort of stuff and just do it on our own. And, uh, so I started calling guys and they said, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, we can do that. We can put that together. Yeah. We're capable. And so, uh, I was doing that and then Michael wanted to get his name back out there. So I figured what the hell, you know, let's do it. And on top of that was, you know, they were trying to lock us down and all that sort of stuff. And I just went, you know i'm not having any of it i want i want my fellow citizens to understand that that we can we can gather and i want some unity in our community yeah. i want people to come together and i want people to understand that we can go out we can live our lives and we can be free
2: so that's really what it was about you know? yeah do you uh, do you have any plans on fighting again or is that it
3: no, well, I mean, Mike Jackson, the guy that he, I cornered him in the UFC and he wrote that that garbage article because I went out to Washington, D.C. on January 6th and I was there and I took pictures with a bunch of people and uh, some of the guys that took pictures with me, one of them did, a, did, a, did an OK sign with his hand or whatever. And so, you know, he used that picture and said that I supported domestic terrorism and white supremacy and all this other stuff. And, you know, it, it caused a big uproar about it. And the thing is, I've been in this industry in MMA for a long, long time. And I guarantee you 100% there's not one person that I've ever been around in in that industry where I've ever said anything remotely racist ever in my life. It never, the words, no racist words were ever spoken out of my mouth in my house. My children have never heard anything come out of my mouth in that way. I would never freaking, I just don't think that way. You know, I'm a guy that's proud of the, the state of Iowa stopping their their uh we we stopped playing um the university of missouri um back in the day when the university of missouri fans and football team attacked our football team um because we didn't support segregation we had black players on our we were you know one of the first universities to have black americans on our football teams right and obviously it's still you know bullshit that they weren't allowed in the first place so uh push come to shove you know where i live we just don't see that kind of shit. you know very rarely will you ever ever hear somebody you know say anything racist and that's the thing is you got to pay attention you got to pay attention to these people that say that they're championing causes of minorities when you know in reality they're they're just enslaving everybody they really are dividing and enslaving uh mankind in general and limit limiting our knowledge They've limited our, our, our ability to learn. They've done it to us in school. They've indoctrinated us and uh, people just need, like I said, that people need to ascend to a higher level of consciousness
0: and understanding. Uh,
2: Get closer to the end. Uh, Here we go. Uh, Mike Lazowski, a friend of mine is watching right now. And he uh, messaged me this question earlier and it was on my list. Uh, Pat, if you could fight any current uh, or, Past UFC fighter, who would it be?
3: Well, I tried getting Frank Shamrock to unify the UFC belts with me and he wouldn't do it. And then when we were commentators at Showtime, um I said, We should just do a super fight, Frank. Let's have some fun. Yeah. You know? And he's like, Nope. And he finally looked at me and he goes, Pat, it's not always about fighting the toughest guy. And so, I mean, he and I had rolled before and I had felt what kind of what he had and stuff. And I, um, I think he knew he wasn't going to outbox me. I think he knew he wasn't going to out wrestle me, you know, and I think he just he was very smart. He was very smart about how he pursued his career and when he left and went to Strike Force as a UFC champion, um, he parlayed that into percentage ownership of Strike Force. Of course, Strike Force eventually sold for a lot of money to the UFC and and you know, he made a lot of money off that. So he was smart about it, you
2: know, he really was. Yeah. He broke uh, Shannon Rich's arm. I actually just watched that fight earlier, uh, which was pretty crazy. Yeah, I watched Frank's
3: arm get get broke by Kung Lee with uh, repeated kicks. And I said, uh, I was sitting ringside watching, and and Frank kept blocking the kicks with one arm. And uh, Kung was uh, southpaw, so he was burying the kick into the rear arm of Frank. And Frank could stick his tongue out at him and go, yeah, you can't kick me in the head, right? I go, Frank doesn't understand what Kung's doing. He's going to break his arm he's blocking the kick incorrectly right
1: yeah
3: and so eventually eventually he shattered frank's arm and frank had to stop crazy. You
1: know? yeah. and the only reason
3: i only reason i knew that is because i fought um uh by the 220 pound japanese fighter uh yoshi tomura i believe it was who was a lefty and he was burying rear leg kicks into my arm and i at the time he, w- he had really fast kicks and i wasn't getting my other arm across because when you block a kick and you come across it's the only time you come across your body technically in a mma fight or a kickboxing fight is you want that shin bone to hit the muscle on this arm first before it gets the ulna bone on this side you got to slow the kick down because that 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 tibia bone is going to crush through uh the ulna and radius eventually it's going to it's going to snap them if you don't
2: stop the kick correctly so it did not break my arm but i can tell you that it hurt a lot <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Pat, if you're anywhere near Vancouver, Canada, uh, you got to let me know and hopefully you and I can do a little bit of sparring. Well, I,
3: I don't feel like getting punched in the face a whole lot, but you know, we can definitely do some, we can definitely train.
2: There we go, man. I'm down for some training. All right. Work me out on, on some kicks. I need some work on my kicks. So. Yes, yes sir. You got it. I'm going to start a, am uh, actually going to
3: start a YouTube channel because I, I, um, I see a lot of technical holes in people's games. Um, when I'm commentating or just, just watching events and stuff like that. So um, I'm going to start, I'm going to start a, a, a YouTube channel on technique on, not only for, for MMA, but, but for self-defense and stuff. So I feel a lot of people need to
2: learn how to take care of themselves right now. Yeah. No kidding. Follow, follow. There we go. I'll follow you. You follow me. We're all good. <laughs> Got it. Got it. All right. These are the type of shows
1: I
0: like because they deal yeah.
2: with it been a pleasure, man. My pleasure.
0: It's always about using the platform to not only one you know express yourself outside of being an athlete i know a lot of times people want us to talk about all these uh, our athletic powers and accomplishments but that's that's not all you are there's so many layers to a person
1: and yes a lot, of, a lot
0: of people don't understand how articulated and educated athletes are you're not some dumb jock so that's right. why we started doing this podcast i was like yo Ryan, we, we get on here man and let people beat them on this platform yeah yeah no I'm glad
3: I'm glad you think that way doctor because you know people will say to me you know the the, the typical line when somebody doesn't want to debate me is oh yeah that, that CTE must be rough mm-hmm. okay and I just say look if you don't want to address the facts that I bring up I understand that but going straight to CTE or whatever uh, I mean people will go to any term they can to try to delegitimize you know a person who thinks differently right Damn. and so there and i say to people i say you know it's like when people would try to start fights with me. i'd say you know what do you what do you do for a living well i'm i do this i go are you good at it? yeah I'm, I'm good at it i go did i feed my family by beating up professional athletes other other men that are trained to, to dismantle me that's how i feed my family like do you think this is really a bright idea but <laughs> That's still not who I am. That's right. what I did to feed my family for a while. That's not who I am. And if I'm an account, that's not who I am. I'm not Pat Militant's the accountant. I'm Pat Militant's the person,
0: and I have to, you know, express that freely, like you just mentioned, right? Absolutely. Because people people want to see that. Like I know, and I was, I'll will always bring up this little story. So when I first went up to the the CFL. Um, and I was doing the first few interviews, I, I used to have long, nice dreads, and I had a mouth full of gold teeth. I had, like, 12 gold teeth, right? So, right. I'm covered in tattoos and shit. So, I remember Scott Rentor. that's my dog, little redhead. Um, the first couple of times I did interviews with him, and I'll say Lowell Ulrich and a couple others, I, I felt kind of like, when I started talking, they kind of looked at me like, I wasn't expecting all of that to come out of his mouth, <laughs> like, yeah. right. which you know, and I and I and I've gotten that. So um, after that, I became like the go-to guy, I man. Marsh, interview Marsh. He's an excellent interview. You know, you know, very articulate. He, he speaks his mind. He doesn't hold punches. He doesn't hold things back. Blah blah blah. But right. I say all that to say, like, yo, like, yes, I am more than what I do as my occupation, and people need to know that because I think a lot of times people see us in this light and they, they 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 say okay that's pat the ufc guy or right. or you may no that's pat who happens to do that shit that's what that right. is because right yeah then pat could go over here and be a ceo or 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 a construction worker, or a, or a dad and a husband. Like there's so many yeah. things to you as a person other than your occupation. So definitely, I, I, I we want to we want to keep these going, and you can talk about whatever the hell you want to talk about. Right, <laughs> right. And that's the thing, people. People need to, you know, I have to question
3: my beliefs every day. You know, if if I believe something, I have to question it. Like with about halfway through Trump's uh, presidency. I started to seriously question. And the things that he did, look, he didn't fire Fauci, right? Right. He didn't fire he didn't fire Anthony Fauci. And he brought in BlackRock, which had four or five trillion in Chinese investments to manage our Federal Reserve and Treasury. I, hell of an actor. Hell of an actor, I think, right? I, I was in I was in Washington, DC. I didn't have one thing on that said Donald Trump or nothing. Nothing. I was there because my friends and I said something historic is going to go down, something, and we witnessed what went down at the Capitol. We witnessed what what went down at the Capitol. We did not go up that hill. We stayed down when everybody poured up that hill, and when the when the gates got opened and they got waved up the hill and then got hammered with concussion grenades and rubber bullets and everything else, you know, I mean, what do you expect? And, you know, other people like sullivan and some other guys who have been filmed at antifa rallies speaking and all this other stuff those guys are inside the building (laughs) i'm like come on man if you don't realize that was for optics i mean there's like 750,000 people there maybe a million yeah if 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 there was an insurrection the Capitol building wouldn't be standing like come on folks come on man believe your fellow citizens
0: that aren't getting paid to give you this information exactly and you
3: have to
1: understand,
0: oh, you have to understand okay. that. And gotta, they're going to show you what they want you to see obviously yep. um and i you know
3: look i've paid a, I've paid a, i've paid a price i've lost one of my broadcasting jobs because of my beliefs if and and i'm not i'm not becoming a millionaire like you know somebody on cnn or nbc or anything that's telling you reading off a teleprompter telling you these things like it's costing me right it's costing me if i if i wouldn't believe in something and my fellow citizens, and care about my fellow citizens and my nation. Do you think I'd? Do you think I'd remotely put my neck on the line? No. No. You, not at but,
0: all. Man. But, not at but, all. But, but you want to know something? So, and I and I, and, I, and I stand by this for me. Shit, everything ain't for sale. All money ain't good money. So I don't. I, I have I have my own moral beliefs and, and and my own moral compass, and there's just certain shit I will not budge on. So yeah. money, I mean you if if here's here's how I've made a lot of money <laughs> money grows on trees literally right. paper um however i'm i i just could not sell my soul that that's not for sale so right. i have to like lie to you knowingly lie to you and mislead you down the wrong path in order for me to be in a higher Tax bracket or, or 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 social economic status, then I just I can't do it. I won't do it because if I, it's just like me taking a supplement, right? If I don't yeah. I don't even take the shit and I know it don't work, but I'm I'm peddling it to you to buy it. There's something wrong with that picture, man. Absolutely,
3: yeah. No, and that is That is the very definition of selling your soul yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. It is. Right. <laughs> right. 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 So, boys. So, we just gotta be positive, we've gotta be role models as much as we can. We've gotta do the best we can, uh inspire other people and you know, do our best to speak the truth and keep keep searching for the truth. And uh, you know, look, everything's been inverted, up is down, down is up, right? Yeah. yeah. So we just have to we have to help people understand that and just stay strong and people eventually they'll notice. They'll notice.
2: Yeah.
3: Pat, I'd love to have you back
2: on the show again in the future if you're willing to do so yeah as all this stuff progresses if they allow us on the
3: internet we'll do it that sounds good to be here. <laughs> all right guys it's a pleasure to meet both
1: of you
2: thank you for joining us on this episode of inside the minds podcast with dante marsh and ryan hyde check out our facebook youtube and twitter accounts to see our upcoming show announcements links to our previous shows and sound bites and don't forget to hit that follow button while you're there Hey, this is Logan Bandy.
3: Hi, this is Zane Frazier.
2: This is Art Jimerson.
0: Chris Reining. This is Boots Electric, and thank you
2: for joining me on my special guest spot on Inside the Minds podcast, where everybody wants to be, if they're smart. Good, good position, start, play action. First going to load it up. But he's short on the throw, intercepted. Dante Marsh has his 30th career interception and a good return back into Ottawa territory. Good well, the usually strong arm
1: Henry Burris comes up short. <laughs>